The Queen's Jewish Link presents the Jewish Living Podcast, the show that examines the many facets of Orthodox Jewish life. Here's your host, Izzo Zwerin. Should our religious leaders get involved in politics? It's an old question that goes back to what the role of the Reish Galusa was in Jewish society in the times of the Gemara. But there is a group of Rabbanim who do believe that there are specific areas of politics and reasons where and why spiritual leaders should in fact get involved. And with me to discuss are my two guests. So I'm Rabbi Yol Schoenfeld, Rabbi of the Young Israel of Kew Gardens Hills. And as far as tonight is concerned, I'm the recently um, appointed or elected president of the Coalition of Jewish Values. And my name is Yaakov Menken, and I am the managing director of the Coalition for Jewish Values. Rabbi Schoenfeld and Rabbi Menken will tell us all about their organization, what their goals are, and why they feel the need for it to exist in the first place. So Rabbi Schoenfeld and Rabbi Menken, thank you so much for joining me this week. I appreciate your time, and especially at the uh, the late hour. I don't know if this is late for you, this is late for me. Um, but uh, I, I want to get a little bit of personal backgrounds on each of you um, and the origins of the coalition for Jewish values. So, Rabbi Schoenfeld, let's start with you, and then we'll go over to Rabbi Menken. Well, the origins of the Coalition of Jewish Values, Rabbi uh, Menken uh, will um, correct and edit it, edit it as, needs, as needed. But the Coalition for Jewish Values, I, what is it? I think it might be four years ago, coming up on five years ago, uh, a, a, a small group of rabbis. I was not from the very original group of rabbis, um, but a small group, of, but I was on the original board. But a small group of rabbis realized that, you know, no one, no organization, no, you, no person in, in general, and no organization is speaking up on behalf of Jewish values. Everything is being done through the, in the media in the lens of the reform or conservative, and, and they are just announcing what they feel Jewish values are. And the, all the other established organizations have been remaining silent on many issues, moral issues, social issues, political issues, even Israel. Uh, they've just been a, a deafening silence. So this group got together with the idea of well, we gotta, we got to change that. There has to be a voice for traditional Orthodox Torah Jewish values. And so that was, um, it was formulated. Uh, first president was Rabbi Pesach Lerner. Uh, Rabbi Macon has been the um, managing uh, director since its inception. And then we had a small group um, of uh, the names that come to mind right now, Rabbi Avram Gordimer, uh, Rabbi Tzvi Brzezinski, Rabbi Dov Fisher. Um, and those, those are uh, the names that immediately come to mind that uh, started this little organization. We've grown really beyond our imagination just these few four, short years, where certainly the, let's call it mainstream conservative media, has been paying a lot of attention to us. So they will come when the, you know, the CNNs of the world will uh, be broad enough to, to pay attention to us as well. But uh, that's, that's uh, in a nutshell what this is. And we really, our reach has been very far and very wide. We're very thankful for that. Eric Menken, is there anything you could add to the origins or, or the, maybe at this point I could ask you, talk about the, the goals of the Coalition for Jewish Values. What, what, are, what are some of the areas that you're looking to bring out to the forefront? So loosely uh, structured, you know, we're an organization that cares about traditional family values, 
religious liberty and human rights. Uh, all of those, of course, apply to the Jewish community. They, they apply to greater America as well. What, what Rabbi Schoenfeld said, of course, about uh, leftism portraying itself as Jewish values is, of course, absolutely correct uh, because of uh, the, the needs of our community as an Orthodox community. The other organizations that serve our community kind of have to stay away from a lot of these public battles if they don't have a direct impact on our community. And that's where we, we looked at the situation and saw the left-wing groups portraying what they personally believe as if those were classical Jewish values and the position of the Jewish community. And we recognized that somebody had to stand up and 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 push forward. Actually, um, we got started in February of 2017. Uh, right then, if you recall, shortly after the election of President Trump, there was a wave of left-wing Jews declaring in the name of the Jewish community that Trump was an anti-Semite and his assistants were anti-Semites. And it was one crazy attack after the other. This is before Trump had done so many of his big favors. But you know, just imagine if they had managed to disillusion the president and make him walk away from doing the things on behalf of the Jewish community in Israel that he ended up doing. I, I don't know if he would have walked away. He doesn't have that kind of heart, but he certainly needed people to stand up and just simply say the truth. So it's interesting. Um, I'm hearing two different areas of, and maybe you can correct me, there might be two different areas as to who your target audience is. Are, are you trying to portray yourselves as, as targeting uh, other Jews, or are you portraying yourself as targeting maybe the non-Jewish media government areas? Where, where, where are you, who are you trying to convince of something, or who are you trying to send your message out to? The, the answer to that is, it's a good question. The answer to that is both, because it's, it's needed so much in both areas. The, the, the non-Jewish media really, I think for them, this is an awakening. Like, wow, you mean there are Jews out there that have values? that are not just left-wing, radically so. Uh, there are Jews who think normally, and, and, and the media needed to get that source. The Jewish community also needs to get, and uh, the, the, uh, many of the left-wing reform uh, organizations are very upset that we exist, which is a good thing. And so, yeah, the, I think a target audience, uh, probably Mencken will agree, is, is really both. I, I certainly do agree with that. Uh, I think that there's, you know, that Rabbi Schoenfeld really covered it, that the um, the non-Jewish community needs to hear this message. The Jewish community also needs to hear this message. So I, I want to get into some of the issues. Um, let's let's start with the issues that you're trying to fight against, some of the preconceived notions of how Jews portray themselves, uh, maybe maybe the more left-wing Jews or the, the, the ones that align themselves on the on the Democratic side. Uh, what are those issues that you're trying to dispel uh, that you think that some people might associate with with the Jewish people? Uh, I will let uh, Rabbi Menken uh, respond to that in greater detail. But, um, you know, you just take an issue such as abortion. The Rov Minyan Binyan, the overwhelming majority of Jewish people view this, that the Torah calls for the rights for abortion. And it's as, as though it's, it's a mitzvah to have an abortion. That, that's how they're framing it. And that's how the general populace looks upon us Jews, that that's what we hold. And that's something that we, that we uh, had to get out and, and express ourselves. Um, you know, same gender marriage. 
is something that we have to be very outspoken about. Even even support of, of, for Israel in the face of even, believe it or not, Ben and Jerry's. What could be more simple uh, for, for the Jewish community to be involved with more than Ben and Jerry's to be outspoken that this is a terrible uh, situation of, of an unfair attack on Israel, singling it out Israel more than any other country with human atrocities. And yes, they are owned by two Jewish people, but that classic examples of, of self-hatred of, uh, of Jewish people. And, and, and nobody spoke out about it. It's, I, I, I could name the organizations that you said, what, they didn't speak? No, nobody spoke out about it. It's unbelievable. Say for the Aguda, which uh, did ask people to, um, to contact their local political people, and they get out a press release one, once or twice, but that was, that, was, that was it. But we really mobilized people and got people to sign letters and to petition, and we, and we banged away in. So, you know, uh, that, that's just, uh, just a couple of the areas that just come to mind immediately, and I think Rabbi Mankin will do a better job in outlining some of the other issues we've been involved in. I, I would like to look at the issue of abortion more in detail. Uh, there was a Jewish rally for abortion justice, uh, which actually it, it turned out to be something of a failure. It only attracted at most uh, a, a thousand people. And the, the organizations behind it, it's not just the left wing religious denominations. It's organizations like the Anti-Defamation League, which is supposed to be dealing with anti-Semitism. It's as if the anti-Semitism problem went away and they had more urgent things to deal with. Or Hillel International, which is supposed to deal with student life for Jewish students on college campuses, the JCCs, the JCRC uh, of, of, of the country, the Jewish Community Relations Councils represented by the JCPA. What on earth are they doing co-sponsoring a rally for quote unquote abortion justice? The answer is that they've made abortion into a Jewish value. This is an area where I think a lot of the Frum community is confused because, you know, you go back to the 1960s before Roe v. Wade, and there were people running around saying, oh, no, abortion should never be done. Even you're going to lose the mother. It's not going to save anybody, et cetera, et cetera. Medical science has moved a tremendous amount. The pro-life position, what they call the pro-life position, actually now very much corresponds to what we believe, which is that the mother's life takes precedence but otherwise, a baby is a, is a sacred life and you have to do everything possible to save the baby. That's the standard position from Chazal uh, down to Rav Moshe. And, and, and yet you hear not only that there's a little bit of confusion in, in the Frum community to understand that actually the pro-life people are kind of on our side and fighting for our kind of position, but they don't understand that the quote what we call pro-choice in, in, in the media is actually they could not manage to pass in this Congress a bill to require medical care for a baby that survived an abortion procedure, requiring that the baby be saved and be treated with standard medical practice. They couldn't pass a bill to give that child a chance at life. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's horrifying. And yet that's what they call pro-choice. 
so for us, it was obvious that this is this is something where the degradation of society that goes hand in hand with this, uh, you know, if, if you deprecate the value of life, you deprecate the value of life across the board. The same people who want to say that, that some council of people in a hospital somewhere should determine who gets to live and who gets to die at the end of their life. Uh, these are horrifying prospects for our community. So I'll ask I'll, I'll ask on that a little bit. Based on these on, on these held beliefs that 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 Orthodox Jews have, why is it important for us to have that be known to the wider world? Why is it important for the wider world to know that there are that not all not all Jews think alike? Not all, not not everybody agrees on these things. Why can't that just be something that we hold internally? Like okay. We don't need to maybe legislate what we what we hold true to be to be what we hold uh, in terms of what our religion dictates, but that's for us. So internally, our abundant, our 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 das Torah will pass in one way, whereas your government can decide what they want to do in a different way. We're not asking them to make the U.S. Constitution reflect Torah values. That's not what we're asking, but we're selecting specific Torah values that affect. Uh, a wide variety of people. Why do we care that the U.S. government or the state government or the city council or whoever it is that you're lobbying to, why do we care that they know what's going on? I, I think the answer to that is two words, Chilol Hashem, meaning that it, it, it brought such disgrace to the Jewish religion that most people out there think that, or if we can still stay on the abortion topic, that Judaism uh, supports the idea of, of abortion um, under, under all circumstances, that, that Judaism feels it's a mitzvah. And that's uh, that the abortion amongst so many other topics is, is something that could really just lead to a corruption of, of, of Torah values. And I think for that alone, we have to get the message out. This is not what we are about. This is not what Judaism is. And uh, you know, because many people I'm sure just look at us, what kind of religion is this? Um, and uh, so I think for that alone, it's worth getting the message out. I, I would like to be most interested to that because first of all, what Rabbi Schoenfeld said is absolutely true. The Chil Hashem is a huge aspect of this. Simply the fact that we've left the playing field to the left wing figures who claim that their own values are Jewish values and they represent and, and bes besmirch the reputation of Torah and the whole Jewish community that's obviously a huge aspect. But in addition to that, I mean, obviously we do care about larger society and we do want policies that benefit larger society. The things that the left are promoting right now actually do tremendous harm, psychological harm to women, policies that, that lead to tremendous physical harm to both men and women with permanent consequences, things that they can do themselves in their teenage years that they can never reverse. Uh, all of these things are obviously very harmful to people, and it's worth it for us to add our voice for the benefit of everybody else. At the end of the day, also, all of this stuff comes back to haunt us. Uh, when the left is doing everything possible to alienate the best friends that Israel has in the United States, for example, I mean, Ron Dermer said it bluntly. He said the evangelicals are more lined up behind Israel than are the Jews. They certainly have more power. There's certainly way more of them. When the evangelicals think that the Jews are against them on all sorts of biblical issues, that does not look good. And that does not help the relationship 
between those Christians and their love of Israel, which they actually have as a theological matter for many of them. But also, I mean, you look at the intersectionality. All the people who are promoting abandonment of biblical values and disparagement of biblical values eventually want to take it out on Israel and the Jews. So how do you decide which of our values that you want to push towards the forefront? How do you decide, how do you determine which ones are important enough to make sure that the rest of the world knows about and which ones you decide, you know what, that's just for us? Well, find any and any value where um, the Torah has a very clear position and yet people are debating it. We will have a position. Where we don't have a position is where we can't, uh, where we believe that you cannot look in uh, Sifrei Halacha and, and Musr and Vakule and the Torah itself and determine how a Frum Rav is going to hold. There is a, there's room in the Frum community for a debate about gun ownership versus gun bans. And that does, that means it's not going to be our issue, no matter if 90% of us agree one way or the other. But when it comes to what a marriage looks like, you can't get through safer bracious without figuring that one out. How many genders there are? Again, safer bracious. It's kind of push it. So when you have something where the whole from community operates around a particular ashkafa that tells us this is the correct position, that's where we're going to get involved. So if you're talking about things like certain types of marriages, is one of the things that you're that you're discussing openly is uh, intermarriage? Because I don't know if I saw that on your website because you're talking about who constitute a marriage but what about something that does have an effect on the greater world um would you advocate for what an intermarriage would would look like that's a really good question because it's not one of our issues i mean uh, it's it's kind of obvious the orthodox position on intermarriage but because it's an internal issue to us as jews we don't have anything against methodists and catholics marrying each other so if, if that's, you know, for a larger society to, 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 to make that decision, you know, that's, that's fine, uh, as it were. We're looking at the larger issues where it's not just a narrow concern of ours, but we clearly see an impact on, on all the, uh, the rest of society is all B'nai Noah. We're supposed to watch out for them too. So I see that you, I, I went on on, the, on on your site and, and tried to get a sense of, of the things that you're fighting against, and a lot of the things do do follow with what you're with what you're discussing when you're talking about Israel and you're talking about marriage and family, religious liberty is another thing we didn't discuss yet, but that's pretty obvious as to why we would be uh, you know interested in in, in 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 explaining where what our stance is. I'm curious about the U.S. defense and security. How does that fit in with Jewish values? Is one of the things that you guys are are fighting for or, 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 or advocating for. Um, I'm curious how that fits in and what, what can we add as, as the from community to that? So the truth of the matter is, very honestly, that is something that became a big issue in 2017 and really hasn't been a big issue since. And you see, we speak out very, very little about it. We only get involved really in US defense and security as far as our safety, the safety of all Americans, including the safety of the American Jewish community. Um, so obviously right now, unfortunately, sadly for the Jewish community, most of the problems we're seeing are internal. But there was a lot of debate going on at that time. Uh, if you recall, President Trump was being accused of uh, you know, instituting a ban on all Muslims 
Whereas uh, Indonesia, where the, I, I believe that's the biggest Muslim country in the world, uh, there was no ban on entry from Indonesia. There was no ban on entry for about 90% of the world's Muslim population. It was only certain countries where uh, these people were being brought up from birth to hate American values and hate Jews, specifically to hate the Jewish community. And so we were hearing voices saying, oh no, we have to let them all in. If they claim to be refugees, we have to let people in uh, from, from all of these countries, no matter how much they hate American values and hate Jewry. And, and that obviously was, uh, that was our issue. Since then, we've been very quiet on it because we really haven't, you know, obviously that doesn't have the same kind of direct impact. Uh, do we believe that America can be a force for good in the world? I think one of the most outstanding examples of the deprivation of human rights in the past 10 years, for sure, is the sudden withdrawal of the United States from Afghanistan. Now that barely, affected, I think there's one Jew left in Afghanistan. You know, there's just nothing there as far as our community is concerned. But we are concerned about the rest of the world, too. The United States is obviously a force for good. People had basic civil rights. Women had basic civil rights when Afghanistan was ruled by, you know, maybe a corrupt government, but it was all under American uh, guidance and American control. Because America ditched and ran out of there, now you have a terrible situation for 38 million people. Yeah, and I think that brings up uh, another very important point. Uh, you said that um, Trump uh, was accused of being anti-Muslim. They used to call it the Muslim ban. And, and, and what happens is the left throw out these accusations built on lies. The media accepts it, runs with it, and it becomes the narrative. And, and that happens over and over again with just about it. Even, let's say, abortion. It's a women's rights issue. It's a woman's rights issue. It's not a woman's rights issue. It's a matter of defining life. That's what it is. It's not a woman's right issue. It's not, she's not removing a wart. And, uh, and yet it's been framed as a woman's right. And now uh, Senator Hawley, and when he had a confrontation with this professor from, uh, uh, was it UCLA or something? And he, 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 this point, uh, he, he's, he, he made it, but very briefly, brief, too brief. You know, if you're, you can't have it from both ends that, women there is no definition of women we don't have a clear definition you know the, the supreme court justice the newly appointed one could not jackson she could not define what a woman is so you can't have it that way that women are defined uh by their by their chromosomes and by the their their biological features and uh and you and you can say that that's not true anymore and then make a, and you can say men can become pregnant uh, and then uh, at the same time, make abortion a woman's issue. What do you mean it's a woman's issue? Men can become pregnant. Why? Why should it be a woman's? Issue? So yet we are we are we are mired in whatever the media runs with, and they just run with you know one untruth after the other. And that's why it's very important for for a CJV to, to step forward and 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 call them out, call them out on these on these types of inaccuracies. Let's be generous. So I have a general question of, of just based on, on the understanding of how the organization started. You, you mentioned that this is kind of a reaction to how maybe the world perceives jewelry uh, because a lot of the outspokenness is from maybe more left-leaning Jews. So my question is, do you believe in, in principle that that Rabbanim, that community, that Jewish community leaders have a place in national American politics or in global politics? Or do you only think that 
we have a place just because we want to correct wrongs that we perceive there to be out there. Do you think that we should be in there in, in principle, or do you think that we should only be there because something needs to be corrected? That's, I'm that's not going to call it politics. I'm going to call it policy, which is a very different thing. Uh, you know, we don't, um, you know, we call the shots as they are. Um, it's not always true that we're criticizing uh, Democrats and endorsing Republicans. It doesn't work that way. Um, I, I don't know if you remember uh, when Curtis Sliwa ran for uh, mayor of New York and a certain video emerged of him making bla blatantly anti-Semitic comments. You know, you go after that as as much as anything that, that happens on the left. Obviously, um, you know, when when Hannah Neuberger uh, came under attack in the Biden administration, uh, we simply pointed out what a great appointment it was, you know, simply because uh, she deserved backing. I forget what exactly the the controversy they tried to make about her, but it was because of her husband giving to certain causes. And, you know, which were just in line with any uh, charitable Orthodox Jew. And, you know, for that, they, they again, you know, they, 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 she was targeted because she's a, uh, you know, she, she's not towing the Democratic line because she's an Orthodox Jew. Now, I want to say something else. Uh, what you were saying is um, it's, it's so interesting. I mean, Rabbi Balabat and members of the shul, you, on the one hand, they'll say, Rabbi should not be involved in politics. Stay out of politics. You should be here to teach us Torah. That, that, that's your, that should be your sole mission and purpose in life. Good. Wonderful. But then when things happen um, and there's no response, they come, how come none of the rabbis are taking a lead? Now, how come none of the rabbis are saying anything? Well, why is there no objection coming from the rabbis? Uh, so they don't want you to be involved in politics. And then they wonder, well, how come you're not politically uh, um, outspoken? And, but, but like Rabbi Menken says, it was a very good way of putting it. It's not a matter of politics. It's a matter of policy, and that's where we come in. It is a matter of policy, not just we're not interested in rubbing shoulders with all the politicians and getting ourselves in the photo ops. It's not us, but we do want to assert ourselves with policy and indeed Jewish values. So if that's the case, uh, why would it, because in the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned about how this was created kind of as a reaction. Why did it take the, the outspokenness of Jews that you, ne you don't necessarily agree with are, are, are producing what you would say is traditional Jewish values. Why did it take that in order to create something like this? Are you asking why are we reactionary? Why, why is this more of a reactionary thing as opposed to uh, as of being proactive? Maybe this could have been created years ago. Like why did it take something along the lines of having other people explain Judaism to the world in a way that we don't necessarily agree with? Uh, in order to create an organization that exposes that espouses Jewish values in this in this manner, why why, why you know, is... I I remember when the RCA, the Rabbinical Council of America, and I and my my father was very involved in the RCA, and uh, he used to take me the, into those conventions as a little kid, and they they used to send the New York Times would send out a reporter, Irving Pat Siegel, he used to come and cover the convention and report on it, and they hung on every word that the the RCA issued a statement, and yet it seems to be. Um, in contrast to what the Pope feels uh, on various issues, if people actually paid a lot of attention to these organizations, and uh, and but and so there you know, there were, in a certain way, there was an outspokenness of orthodoxy, and there was a great battle going on in the 50s, 60s, of a turf battle for for uh, for the leadership role between the conservative and the orthodox. But in recent years, uh, last 20, 
more than 20 years, they, they've all become silent. All the organizations have become silent. Why? We can, that's another discussion. Or you can, it's an interesting discussion. Uh, but the fact is they have become silent. And, and, and so this void has just been created. I think it came to be highlighted during the Trump years when all these absurdities, this man was so good to Israel, to the Jewish people. His son, he has, he has Anakalech, he has grandchildren that go and sit us out where most of his critics coming from the secular world, their children are not even Jewish. And yet they're accusing him of, of being an anti-Semite. It was absurd. And I think that's what drove a lot of us. Not that we're necessarily Trumpsters because there's a lot to criticize about this man, no doubt about it. But, but uh, the lies being said about him and he was such a great friend and supporter of the Jewish people in Israel. Uh, I think that might have motivated a lot of us. This is it. We got to start speaking up. And it's also, we did say one of the motivators here was the Phil Hashem. And so if the, and also imagine where the country would be if not for the Phil Hashem created by the left. And specifically because the country calls its founding values Judeo-Christian ethics. They recognize, I mean, honestly, of course, all those all come from us. It's, you know, Christianity, they, 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 for, they, if they take our Bible, they're going to spread those values. Okay, good. But they all come from us. And if all the representatives of the Jewish community are speaking against those biblical values, it does vastly disproportionate harm. The Jews always punch outside their weight class. People listen to what Jews have to say. Especially, I mean, after the Holocaust, they're going to listen to us on moral issues. And all the voices they're hearing, imagine that wasn't going on. Imagine you didn't have a left speaking out like that. Then, honestly, the evangelicals would be saying this. Everybody would be accepting that those were biblical values. The Catholics would be saying this. Everybody would be understanding they got it from the same Bible we did. And you would have Yechidim, like Rabiol's father, Rabbi Fabian Schoenfeldzitzel, who had a close relationship with you know George H.W. Bush. And, and therefore, there, there were advisors. There were people close to the king. Uh, which goes obviously all the way back to you know Shmuel and Agid in in Spain, uh, the individuals close to the to the Melech saying what's good for the country in the name of the Jews, and that's marvelous. But the need to be so public about it is because you have so much harm being done in the the, the Hashem. Because again, if if they weren't there, if the left wasn't contradicting everything that Jewish values actually stand for and doing so in the name of the Jews, everybody would understand that the founding, you know, the founding fathers wanted this set of values to be followed in America and, and the country would be on a different course. So there's gonna be people listening to this podcast and they're gonna, and, and I would say 99% of my listeners are, are Orthodox Jews. They're gonna be people listening and they're gonna listen to a couple of things that you've said and like, you know what, that doesn't really, that doesn't really jive with what I believe uh, Orthodox Jewry stands for, whether it be on the topic of, of abortion or Trump or Ben and Jerry's even. Like, oh, I like the ice cream anyway. It's still pretty good. Um, what do you say to those people who, who don't necessarily, who, who, who are Shomer Shabbos and kosher and they, and they, and they, they, they dive in three times a day, but I'm still in every day. They learn Daf Yomi Shir, but they're not, they're not uh, aligned with you necessarily on how you portraying Judaism. What do you say to those from I, I Jews? Play, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think a lot of those people, Orthodox as they are, 
they're being guided by leftist principles before Torah principles. Uh, uh, no, look, you know, when it came to the election, Trump versus uh, Biden, interestingly enough, in the Haredi world, and they're not Zionists, in the Haredi world, I, I think there was over 80 something percent of uh, probably closer to 90 percent uh, of the Haredi body voted for Trump for one reason, because he's good to the Jews, he's pro-Israel. And yet you had a, a major market of the of the modern Orthodox crowd that uh, uh, I think there, there was, it was about 55, 60 percent went for Trump uh, because Israel was not high uh, as high on their priority list. They had other social interests that were that were motivating them. So I, if you're going to say we, but you know, I'm sorry, I just can't agree with them on abortion. Uh, I'm sorry, I just don't agree with them on same-sex marriage, etc. Well, uh, you know, probably they're getting their agenda not from Torah sources. And if they would sit down and talk to their own rabbanim, whether the Haredi rabbanim or, or or mainstream modern Orthodox rabbanim, I think they I think they would find them, they, those rabbanim would be in line mostly what uh, our values are. I'm going to have you put on your predictor hats, unless, unless there's something here that you, that, that you know already. Um, what's the next area do you, that you think you might find yourselves fighting for, fighting against, promoting, demoting? What, what is the next area that you haven't tackled yet that you think might be on the horizon? Uh, actually, we just started a, a healthcare council. Uh, because in so many of these issues where the left is actually impinging upon the ability of Orthodox Jews and others to simply follow their own uh, beliefs and their own conscience in providing best practices in, in whatever their field is, a lot of the areas where this is directly impinging on practice happen to be in medical care. In fact, right now, Health and Human Services is contemplating a rule. I mean, if you want to be scared about something, uh, they're saying that if you're not willing to do a, uh, a medical procedure for what they call gender affirming care, then you should not be providing that procedure in any other situation. Um, I, I don't know how, uh, how family friendly you like to stay or whether you want me to spell it out. Go ahead, spell it out. I, I mean, we're talking about performing a hysterectomy on a woman who believes she's a man. Not because it's medically necessitated, but because she believes a man. Do the same thing to her ability to nurse for the rest of her life. Do the rest to a man's ability to procreate. And if you're not willing to do a reconstruction on a woman who had cancer and therefore had to have something removed, you, if, if you can't do that unless you're also willing to do that to a man who believes himself to be a woman, literally to the point where hospitals are gonna be fined and doctors are gonna be fined if they don't follow these new rules coming out of HHS. This is incredibly scary stuff. And it came down the pike just after we created the healthcare council. So uh, I, and unfortunately, this isn't prognostication. This is right here in the here and now. And, and one thing I would say is that anybody, and we know that there's a lot of Orthodox Jews in healthcare, uh, whichever your listeners are in healthcare, you need to sign up to join and strengthen our healthcare council. Uh, we have a, a board of eight doctors, all of whom, of course, are very dedicated to Torah, as they are dedicated to best possible medical care, uh, who are 
you know, making the decisions on the on the battles that we'll get involved with the same way the rabbis have been doing everything else, uh, because this is this is the road ahead. This is the site. This is the situation in which we find ourselves today. The society has gone so insane that they're going to tell a from person they either have to do these procedures or give up your medical license. We've spent a lot of this conversation talking about the bad decisions that the left side of the aisle has made um, and how they relate to Orthodox Jews. I know we've also mentioned sometimes when you have to speak out against certain individuals on the right. I'm, uh, you mentioned Curtis Lewa. I'm assuming that you weren't too fond of Marjorie Taylor Greene's comments and a couple of others right. that have gone around uh, in the last uh, five years since, since your organization has started. Are there any policies on the right that you have spoken out against or that you can foresee being a problem for the from Jews in the future? Well, I think, you know, a, a, a abortion, uh, the, you know, the, ex the extreme anti-abortionists, which will not allow abortion under any circumstances, and some even when the mother's life is threatened, uh, which actually, if I'm not mistaken, may be a Catholic uh, uh, value. Uh, but that's something that we, we find uh, that we need to criti be critical of. Uh, even though, right, it's something on the right, but, you know, it's sorry, this is just not where, where we're at and where our values at. If a woman's life is threatened uh, by, by, the, uh, by the fetus, mother's life comes first. So, you know, here and there, we will find ourselves at odds with right-wing uh, right thinking. There, there is no national pro-life organization that doesn't include a carve-out for the life of the mother. But that doesn't mean that there aren't individual politicians and maybe even the majority in certain states who'd be willing to just do a blanket ban. I mean, and obviously we're going to now there happens to be that I, I, I learned today that in Texas, because of the new law, there's a certain situation where the fetus drops and there is a procedure that that rescues the mother. However, that in certain cases could cause a spontaneous abortion. It's the correct procedure to do to help the mother and help the child, but it can trigger an abortion. And because of the way that the Texas law is phrased, allowing basically anybody to have standing to sue, it made the doctors and the, and the hospital afraid to perform the procedure in a situation where it was necessary. Now, obviously that has to be reversed. They specifically phrased the law the way they did to get around Roe v. Wade. Well, the Supreme Court has determined that's not necessary anymore. So let Texas go back and do its law the right way uh, in, in a way that simply does, you know, reasonable practice and reasonable care. And obviously when it's done for the sake of a medical procedure to save both mother and child, if it sadly goes wrong, that's not grounds for a lawsuit. So we're almost out of time. I'd like to give you the opportunity to speak about anything else. We used to have a segment on our show called Dover Acher, where I just let my guests talk about anything that we not, not haven't necessarily covered, maybe not even pertaining to the topic at hand. So if you guys, I, I want to bring it back. Um, usually when I, it's easier when I have uh, two Rabbanim on because there's always a lot to say. So if there's anything else you'd like to leave my audience with. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I would, you know, the danger of this radical left is wokeism and the radical left thinking is that nothing has to make sense anymore. You know, these are the same people who say, follow the science, follow the science. And yet these are the same people who say that uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the determination of one sex does not follow the, the biological realities. What happened to the science there? 
what happened to the science of Rabbi Menken was referring to before of mutilating the body and then how it could be destructive emotionally, physically, uh, and, and scarring patients for, for a lifetime. Where's the science there? All of a sudden, we're, we're dropping the science. Now, this upside down thinking, which, is, which has become commonplace, especially on the left, it, 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 that creates the fertile ground for the modern day uh, uh, anti-Israel radicals on the left. The AOCs of the world, the, the Rashida the Talebs of the world, these people think upside down and therefore they can create this image, which the media does run with, that Israel is an apartheid state. It's, it's, it's just such an absolute lie and an absurdity and a fraud, um, but yet you run with it because thinking has been, logical thinking has been turned on its head. So that, that's what you see. It's, it's very, very dangerous for Jews because they can be accused of anything. Israel can be accused of anything and it's accepted because absurdity reigns and rules today. That's why it's so important to be outspoken about this, this irrationality coming from the left. Are Megan? I, I, I think he said it very well. I think that that's, you know, the, the, this is the battle that we're in. Um, and obviously, by the way, when we appealed to people to come for the health care council, we were actually, you know, everybody should be coming to cjvalues.org, learning more about us and joining our mailing list. Uh, obviously, the, the more we're known in the Frum community, the more we get out there, the more of a voice we have. And we've seen year over year tremendous progress at, at pushing back. You know, right now, there was something they ran through the House of Representatives with that would have redefined, not only redefined marriage, but again, would have demonized, imagine a, a, a Jewish Florida. I mean, look at the cases that they've already uh, harassed Christians with. You know they're coming for the Jews, too. If you won't bake a cake to celebrate a same-sex marriage, if you won't perform in a band at a same-sex marriage, you could be prosecuted for that for following your religious convictions and saying, no, that's just not something I want to be involved in. So with all of those things going on, uh, we, we have to work about protecting our own interests and protecting everybody else's interests because the way they're going, you know, they're coming for us. And on this latest redefinition bill, uh, there was a quick letter that was arranged. We were the only obviously non-Christian organization out of 80 on that letter. And all the articles about this letter and who it was signed by, they mentioned organizations with budgets in the tens of millions of dollars and us. So again, what I said earlier about the Jews punching out of the weight, weight class, we are way out of our, our weight class and the amount of influence we're already having. So the more people know about us and spread the word in the Frum community, like you are doing with your podcast, the better off we all are. Um, and once again, if you can mention uh, your website and if you're, I don't know if you're on social media anywhere, if you can mention those things so people can find you. CJValues.org, Twitter.com slash CJValues, uh, Facebook.com slash JewishValues, Instagram.com slash CJValues. We, we try to run the gamut. We want people to know about us. And we'll link to all of those in the show notes and on our various social media accounts. So if you want to check them out there, you can. Uh, Rabbi Menken, Rabbi Schoenfeld, thank you so much for joining me this week. I appreciate your time, and uh, ho hopefully we'll see a lot of the good work that you guys are doing. Okay, great to be on this broadcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, you for having us. My thanks to Rabbi Schoenfeld and Menken for joining me this week. 
If you're interested in hearing how other Jewish organizations are fighting for Jewish interests, check out episode 13, Lobbying for You, with Rabbi Yitz Frank of Agudas Yisrael of America. Or episode 35, The Legal Battle Against Antisemitism with the Lawfare Project's Zipporah Reich. Until next time, Kol Tov. The Jewish Living Podcast is produced by Sreli Pikus. Our theme song is The Band by A.B. Rottenberg. Follow us on Facebook at The Jewish Living Podcast and on Twitter and Instagram at Jewish underscore living. You can also email the show at jewishlivingpodcast at gmail.com. The Jewish Living Podcast is recorded in conjunction with the Queen's Jewish Link.